Welcome to the With Woman Health Podcast. I'm your host, Elena Anderson, the certified nurse midwife behind With Woman Health. This is the place where you can get trustworthy, evidence-based advice on all things pregnancy, birth, women's health, and wellness. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the With Woman podcast. I'm your host, Elena Anderson, and in this episode number two, we are going to get into the meat and potatoes of our pregnancy theme. Last week, we talked a little bit in generalities about the podcast itself, what to expect, some of the topics we're going to cover, and we also announced our season one theme, which is pregnancy. So, Today, our topic is going to be morning sickness. So we're going to talk all about what it is, what to expect, why do they call it morning sickness, what you can do about it, how you can avoid it, um, what causes it, all the information that you're, you're dying to know about morning sickness. And some of you out there, if you have had babies before, you've probably experienced some level of nausea and vomiting during your pregnancies. If you are trying to get pregnant now or are just in the early stages, you're either probably right in the middle of this and currently experiencing it, so you're looking for some relief, or if you're not yet pregnant but um, working on it or planning it in the future, then you're really hoping you can avoid this altogether. There may not be a way to do that, to truly avoid it altogether. Some people just are very blessed and they don't have any nausea and vomiting. And, um, you know, I hope for your sake that you're one of those folks. But if you're not, um, this episode is going to give you some tips and tricks for ways to sort of get through this tough, tough part of the pregnancy. So, um, like we mentioned, morning sickness is just nausea and vomiting during pregnancy. And it is truly different from other nausea and vomiting because it's not the kind that's caused by a stomach virus or something like that. So, if you have a stomach virus during your pregnancy, that would not be called morning sickness. Clearly, it's different. But this is nausea and vomiting that really is only present because you are pregnant. And it's got a broad range of frequencies. There are some folks who just have some level of nausea. It can be kind of a low-grade nausea in the background where you're just feeling kind of puny and feeling like you're going to throw up, but you never really do. There are are some folks who experience um, vomiting only in the morning upon waking and they're fine the rest of the day. There are some who only experience it in the evenings. There are some in some very extreme scenarios, which we are going to talk about, where that nausea and vomiting may actually continue through the entire day, 24-7. You know, if you're awake, you're sick. And so my heart goes out to those ladies who are suffering with that. Um, it is not fun, and, and there, but there are some things that you can do to, to make this better. So let's, let's get into it. 
First of all, morning sickness is often a what we call presumptive sign of pregnancy. So sometimes you don't know you're pregnant yet. You start to feel kind of sick, a little nauseated. Smells might start to bother you. And that's a way that a lot of people are prompted to take that pregnancy test. And so it's often one of the very first signs you may get that you're pregnant. And a lot of people question why do they call it morning sickness, especially since, as we just discussed, it can kind of go through the day and and last all day, all night. It could be quite cumbersome. Um, but the reason they call it morning sickness is because it is most common when you have an empty stomach, which most of you wake up with an empty stomach in the morning. And so that's where the the old terminology morning sickness comes from. So what causes morning sickness? I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> there's There's been a ton of research to try to get to the real bottom of what is the true cause, because if we know the true cause, we could probably get at it a little bit better, but uh, we don't really know the the defining cause. And my best guess, just from what I've seen, what I've read, is that each woman is different, and that nausea is honestly probably caused by a little bit of a different reason for each person. It's believed that most morning sickness can be caused by the hormonal shifts that you're experiencing during pregnancy. Your hormones are kind of all over the place. That estrogen, the progesterone, they're they're all over the place. So that could be a real a real cause for this nausea and vomiting. Um, low blood sugar, experiencing low blood sugar could be another cause. Slowing of your gastrointestinal tract or your, your GI tract. That is your stomach, your intestines. Your body slows that down significantly because of the hormones of pregnancy. And the reason for that slowing of the GI tract is so that your body can absorb more nutrients from your food and give it to your baby. So it's a really good reason for it, but as you'll find later in the season, as well as now, is that that slowing of the GI tract can cause a lot of issues for pregnant women, a lot of symptomology that are some of the less desirable things that happen during pregnancy. And then another thought is that it might be the relaxation of your stomach muscles. Again, um, that slowing of the GI tract and the relaxation of the stomach muscles are both caused by those hormonal shifts that you're experiencing. And they do have, and they do have some positive effects on pregnancy. So there is a reason for those. So while we don't really understand the true causes, what I can tell you is that nausea and vomiting of pregnancy has been really well studied. And so there is a lot of information that we do have about ways to treat it safely and things that we can do to help 
eliminate it. And then there's also some statistics that I can give you that may help you feel a little more comfortable about your nausea and vomiting. The first bit of information I'd like to give you is that if you have nausea in pregnancy or you're vomiting some, you are in good company because up to 70% of women will experience some level of nausea and vomiting during their pregnancy. So that is a lot. That's a lot of women, 70%. That's the majority. So if you're in that camp, you are in the mainstream. You're experiencing something that most other women are also experiencing. And there are some studies that even show that pregnancies that are complicated with nausea and vomiting actually are more successful. More of those pregnancies go on to be full-term successful pregnancies and so that can give you some relief to know that you know everything's progressing normally your hormones are of levels that are good for sustaining the pregnancy so that's one way to just sort of change your perspective a little bit on the experience with morning sickness is that hey my baby's healthy, things are going well, and that's why I'm having this symptomology. And I don't, if you're listening to this and you're 12 weeks along and you haven't experienced any morning sickness, don't panic. Tons of pregnancies go on without having nausea and vomiting, right? We just said up to 70% of women will experience it. Well, that means that another 30% are not experiencing it and going on to have perfectly normal, healthy pregnancies as well. So don't, don't panic. I personally have three children and two of those I sailed through with not a moment of nausea or vomiting. And then only in my third did I experience that. And all three of those pregnancies were successful and I gave birth to healthy children. So, you know, it's, Take it with a grain of salt either way, but but I just wanted to give you some relief if you are experiencing it. You could reframe that with, I've got a healthy pregnancy. So when can you expect these symptoms to start if you're going to have them? In general, it most often will start during weeks four through eight of pregnancy. And to be perfectly honest, around that four to five week mark, you may not yet even know that you're pregnant. But there are a lot of developmental things happening during this first month to two months of um, your baby's development. And so I, I don't think it's odd or strange at all that that would be the time when you'd really start experiencing that nausea and vomiting because your hormone levels at that point are extremely high as your body is working to uh, develop and grow this new little baby. And when can you expect it to be at its worst? In general, I would say around that 11-week mark is when you're going to really kind of see a peak in the nausea and vomiting. This is for most people. It is not across the board. This is not going to be every single person's lived experience. But in general, studies show when we've done retroactive studies, which you should know there are problems with those kind of studies because in general, they're talking to women retroactively so they're they're speaking to someone like me 
who's remembering what happened in the first trimester of a pregnancy. Not all studies are that way, but some studies are asking women to to remember when they started experiencing these symptoms, when they got the worse, when they went away. And so, you know, they're a little problematic in that my memory may not be exactly what happened, et cetera, et cetera. And there are some studies that do this in real time with pregnant women. But again, if you're experiencing symptoms before you even know you're pregnant, it's hard to enroll in a study, right? And tell somebody what your symptoms are and that kind of stuff if you don't yet know you're pregnant. So just take some of these studies with a grain of salt because again, it's it's not gonna be exactly the same for every single pregnant woman. Everybody's gonna be a little different. So when can you expect to get relief? When are these symptoms going to get better? So 50% of people who experience nausea and vomiting during pregnancy will have relief of symptoms completely by around 14 weeks. So that's a little over three months, right? The three month mark is your 12 weeks. Um, so you're, you're getting into that fourth month of pregnancy. And so that feels like a lifetime, but I promise you it's going to breeze by. And so what about the other 50% who are still having symptoms? Well, 90% of women who are experiencing nausea and vomiting will have full relief of symptoms by about 22 weeks. So at that point, you're getting into your fifth month. So you're, you're at the halfway mark. And again, it feels like a lifetime when you're going through it, but it's really just a drop in the bucket. And, and most people are not experiencing vomiting all day long, nausea all day long, having their life interrupted. We're going to talk about that a little later in the episode, the really more serious nausea and vomiting um, symptoms and folks that are having a significant amount of trouble with it. But at this point, we're talking about just standard, regular morning sickness where you're just having some low-level nausea, some vomiting, some days worse than others, that kind of thing. So 90% of the folks, leaving only 10%, a small percentage of folks who are going to have nausea and vomiting continue past the 22nd week of pregnancy. So that alone gives you some light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, okay, I can deal with this. The end is coming. But the real question is, even though the end is coming, it doesn't make you any less miserable while you're going through it, while you're experiencing this. Because you've got other symptoms of pregnancy as well that are maybe happening at this point in your life. That first trimester, you're exhausted. And so if you're also experiencing nausea and vomiting, it can be a little disruptive to your daily life. And you want to be excited about this baby that's coming and really be enjoying it, but you're you're feeling kind of puny. So what can you do to feel less miserable while you're going through it? Well, the good news is that there is some relieving factors. There are some things that you can do that will make yourself feel a little better. Um, some of them will completely alleviate the low-grade nausea. Um, 
And so the first thing I want to do is talk about some non-pharmacological, that means non-medicated ways to kind of get through this. Because these, these tactics that we're going to discuss will work for a majority of women without having to jump to a medication. And if you're looking to take a more natural approach to your pregnancy and your health, which I mean, I fully recommend, it's the way we try to live our lives. And um, it is what I recommend my patients start with, then, you know, these, these tips and tricks are for you. And so one of the very first things you can do is keep some dry crackers by your bed, like some saltine crackers or, um, you know, I use that as an example because they're very easy to get a hold of at the regular store, that kind of stuff. But any crackers will do. If you make homemade sourdough crackers, that'll work. If you purchase, um, you know, some of the Mary's gone crackers or any of those kind of crackers that you use from the store those are all those will all function for this purpose but because the symptoms are more common on an empty stomach well when you first wake up in the morning right you've got that empty stomach and all you've kind of got is some stomach acid and things churning around you're laying in the bed you feel fine but you sit up you go to get up and you just immediately start to feel that that nausea Start your day before you even get up out of the bed by eating one or two of those dry crackers. Um, not guzzling down a bunch of liquid, even though you probably are waking up extra thirsty because, you know, pregnancy can do that to you as well. But try just munching on those crackers before you get up. Let them swallow, let them settle a minute, then try to get up. And, and that has been a very successful trick for a lot of women to use so that they're not getting up and moving around on that fully empty stomach. So give that a try. Um, another trick is small, more frequent meals. In our standard society, most people are eating three large meals a day. You don't want to make your goal to eat three large meals a day. You want to focus on small, frequent meals. About every two hours, you want to try to eat a little something. That way, you don't have an empty stomach through the day. You've always got a little something that your body's working on digesting, and that does seem to make a difference. Rather than cramming a large meal in and then not eating anything for four or five more hours. Not only is your stomach going to empty and then you've got an empty stomach before that next meal, but also with that relaxation of the stomach muscles and that slowing of the GI tract, if you're eating a really large meal at one time, it just makes you much more likely to have vomiting because it's not digesting as quickly and because you've overfilled that stomach that's that's relaxed and it's just it's not a good setup you're setting yourself up for reflux which can turn to nausea and vomiting another thing you can do during your day is just kind of sip on a carbonated beverage so i think about um soda water like um the fizzy soda water and you can add lemon or lime to that water like just the juice of a lemon or a lime um you know a lot of folks may recommend sipping on ginger ale if you're trying to avoid sugar in your diet that's probably not the best option and you know high sugar foods can also lead to some nausea and vomiting 
Um, we'll talk a little more about ginger in a minute, but uh, there's a lot of flavored carbonated beverages too that you may want to just look at the ingredient list. I try to avoid anything that says natural flavors on the back only because I don't know what those natural flavors are. There's a lengthy list of items that can fall under natural flavors that are not as natural as I'm okay with. So, I'm careful about that. You may just want to get an unflavored soda water and then add your own lemon or lime juice. That way you know exactly what's going into it. If you're not good with the carbonated beverages, I know a lot of times those can cause a buildup of gas in your digestive system, which will actually make nausea and vomiting worse. You can just add some lemon or lime to flat water and sip on that throughout the day and it's actually that citrus it's the the lemon or lime flavoring that allows it to be a little more palatable and helps you to kind of get some fluids in even though you're not feeling much like doing a lot of drinking and so the goal too is just to sort of sip on that all through your day rather than drinking a large amount at one time as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you probably want to avoid high-fat foods, spicy foods, and foods that have a really strong odor if those things are bothering you. You may find that they're not, uh, but if I'm feeling nauseated or sick to my stomach, the last thing I want is a food that has a really strong odor or that's really greasy. Um, you know, definitely this is not the time to be eating a lot of, like, French fries or you know, extra spicy ethnic foods, that kind of stuff. You wanna go for a more bland diet. Depending on how bad your nausea and vomiting is, you may even wanna try something called a brat diet, which is bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast. And I'm talking dry toast, so nothing, no jelly, no butter, nothing like that added to it, but just dry toast. Um, Bananas are very easily digestible and a way to get in some of your nutrients. Rice, as long as you're not adding a bunch of flavorings and seasonings, is pretty bland. And, of course, applesauce is just easy easy to digest and easy to eat and not very flavorful in that it's not going to, you know, induce any extra vomiting. You can brew up some ginger root tea and sip on that. Um, there are probably a million recipes online that you can look up for how to do that. Um, ginger is sometimes hard to come by where we live. Um, so depending on where you live will be how easily you're able to access um, actual ginger root in your grocery store. It just depends on where you live and, and what's available but you can use an actual ginger root and make your own tea. And then you can actually cool that tea in the refrigerator and, and sip on it later. So that's one option. If you don't have access to ginger root, um, but you do have access to essential oils, there are several things that you can do with essential oils to help with nausea and vomiting. And one thing you can do is take the ginger essential oil and just put one or two drops in your water and use that instead of making the ginger root tea. And, and that's been very helpful for folks. 
You can also diffuse some essential oils. Mixing ginger, cardamom, and peppermint, a few drops of each in a diffuser and diffusing that, that can really help mild nausea and vomiting. If you're maybe in a work situation or a school situation where you're not able to like take your diffuser with you and use that, um, one thing that I have found to be really helpful, a really helpful way to ingest essential oils when I need them, but maybe all the folks around me don't want them, is you can take a cotton ball and place it in a um, a cup or even probably a little plastic sandwich bag, that kind of thing. Something where you can sort of put plastic wrap over that cup, something to kind of hold in the smell. That way you've got it and you can uncover it and breathe in it whenever you want. So you can put a drop or two of peppermint oil on a cotton ball. If the peppermint oil is a little too strong for you, you could use a spearmint instead of the peppermint. It's got a little more of a mild smell. But those mints seem to be very, very helpful for nausea and vomiting. And that's a trick you can use even when you're not pregnant. If you've got a stomach bug, those just smelling that is extremely helpful. You know, you could really just smell it right in the, the bottle. But again, that might be a bit strong. So I found the cotton ball trick to be helpful. Another thing you could do is just put a carrier oil in your hand with a couple of drops of that peppermint or spearmint. Or you could even do this with your ginger, cardamom, and peppermint infusion. Put it in that carrier oil in your hands, sort of, you know, blend your hands together almost like you're putting on lotion, and then kind of put your hands over your nose and just inhale deeply and slowly. That's another good way to get those essential oils in. And believe it or not, those work very well for mild morning sickness symptoms and will really help that nausea pass if if you're getting to the point where you're just nauseated but you haven't yet started with the vomiting these can really maybe stave some of that off and even if you're having super severe symptoms and these tips and tricks I just talked about don't completely alleviate the symptoms it will make you feel better just breathing in those essential oils, that peppermint especially, will kind of give you just a little more pep in your step, so to speak. And um, it will help with these, these symptoms and kind of give you a little bit of a boost. There's also some acupressure wristbands out there. I do recommend people try these if they've tried everything else. It's worth a try. I, I don't know how much success you may or may not have with them, but it's worth trying. And then just make sure you're getting plenty of rest. Um, I cannot stress that enough. We'll, we'll talk about rest a little more in the, the end of the episode, but definitely make sure you're resting during this part, allowing your body to heal and to get to feeling better. So how do you know if your nausea and vomiting is normal or if it's serious if it's something that you need to look a little further into it's not something you need to be dealing with on your own and I'm going to give you a few tips for how to know when you need to seek a higher level of care than these non-pharmacological methods we've just talked about so if it is disrupting your everyday life 
you cannot work because you are literally vomiting all day. Or you cannot get up and go about your normal activities. Let's say you're a homemaker and you can't even manage to get the dishes done or get the laundry done because you are literally sick all day long. If you're at a point where you're not keeping anything down, so the minute you're taking a sip of water, within a few minutes, you're throwing it back up. If your symptoms are persistent past that first trimester, you're getting past that 12-week, 13-week, you, you probably want to talk to your doctor. Even if it's not serious, you, you want to let your midwife or your physician know that you're experiencing these symptoms. And then if it's lasting all day long, like there's just no relief in sight. These are clues that there may be something a little more serious going on. And there is a disorder of pregnancy called hyperemesis gravidarum, which is truly a medical issue. Um, there are some, some celebrities that have experienced this that have talked about their experience online. You may know that um, Princess Kate from Great Britain has experienced hyperemesis, I believe, with all three of her pregnancies. And so I'm glad that people are out there talking about it because if you have it, it can be not only extremely disruptive to your life, but it can be life-threatening. And I will tell you that I have had patients tell me in the past that they have actually um, voluntarily ended a pregnancy because of how severe their hyperemesis was. And, you know, I don't want to be judgmental of that at all whatsoever. I mean, I think we need to recognize how debilitating true hyperemesis can be. And I'm not talking about just some nausea that you're experiencing all day long. These are folks who can, some of them can't even swallow their own spit without vomiting it back up. So you can see if you can't put anything in your body and you can't keep anything down, you cannot sustain life. So this, this condition is going to be characterized by true dehydration Usually very significant weight loss because you're not eating or drinking anything. And eventually, and it doesn't take that long, you're going to lead to some electrolyte imbalances in your body, which can lead to even more medical problems. You can run into some heart problems, kidney problems. So when I say that this is a medical issue that needs treatment beyond the, the measures we've talked about, this is the time when you've got to seek medical care because you can get into dangerous territory quickly. Now, the good news is that this is a very small percentage of women who have true hyperemesis. And so, most likely, if you're listening to this, you are not going to be the one experiencing it. But there is a very small few of you who are going to experience this type of illness. And so, I cannot stress enough to you the importance of seeking medical care here. Some symptoms that you might be experiencing that lets you know that you are in a dehydration type situation is a dry mouth. So you're gonna have a true just cotton mouth, feeling dry all the time. Even though you're trying to sip on fluids, you, you 
it's not helping at all. Um, you may have a decrease in your urination. So even though in early pregnancy, most people are using the restroom a lot, you may know, have noticed a sudden decrease in the need to go to the bathroom and you're just not going hardly at all. When you do go, your urine may be really dark colored and concentrated. So it's looking a little tannish to brownish or just really dark compared to what it normally looks like. If you are really well hydrated, your urine is gonna be a very light yellow, very pale, sometimes completely clear. And that's how you know that you're getting plenty of liquids in. But if you have true hyperemesis, you're not getting enough liquids in. And so that urine is going to be really dark and concentrated. You may also experience some dizziness and some confusion. And I'm hoping that you've got a family member or somebody standing by that's going to notice these symptoms pretty quickly. But if you're reaching the dizzy and confused phase, you are more than likely already having some electrolyte imbalances. And this, again, can be a true medical emergency if left untreated. So you've got to get in to see your provider right away. If it's night or weekend and you're experiencing this, most offices do have an on-call person that you can call and speak to, or you can just present to your local hospital. I know right now we're trying to stay away from the hospital and... Um, you know, I don't want to encourage you to go to the hospital and expose yourself to other illnesses if you don't have to. But if you are having these symptoms and it's a Saturday, you most likely cannot wait until Monday to seek care. So I do want you to take that in mind. Use all the precautions you need to take, wearing your mask and keeping your hands clean and distancing yourself from others because you do want to protect your body and your baby, especially since you're in um, a weaker state at this point. But it does become a situation where you've got to seek care. And so what are they going to do if you're experiencing this type of hyperemesis? What, what is your provider going to do? Most likely, you're going to receive some level of IV hydration, which is just some IV fluid. It's kind of like drinking water, but getting it more quickly in an IV bag. Um, you should expect to get at least one whole liter of IV fluid bolused in in kind of a rapid manner to replace the fluid that you've lost. And you may find that after getting just one bag, depending on your level of hydration, you start to need to urinate more frequently. And that tells me that your body is not that dehydrated. That bag of fluid really made a big difference um, if you're, you're able to start urinating right away. Some folks take several bags before they're needing to use the restroom at all, and that kind of clues me in a little bit to the fact that they were really, really dehydrated, really low on fluid by the time they got to me. Gastric rest, of course, is another thing that we're probably going to try if you've reached this point. We're not going to immediately start feeding you food. We're going to let your stomach take a rest and, and try to see if we can settle down this nausea and vomiting. And um, when we do start you back on eating, we're going to start with something like that brat diet. We're going to start with soft foods and um, really mild, light foods that your body is, is most likely to be able to handle.
You may be requiring some electrolyte replacement. And so they're gonna draw some blood work to see what your electrolyte levels are. You're most likely gonna give a urine specimen if you are able to urinate. And those will clue us in a little bit into how dehydrated you might be and whether or not you do need some electrolyte replacement. Now, most likely you're gonna get fluid that has sodium already in it. So that's gonna be getting replaced right away, but a lot of folks experiencing hyperemesis will need some potassium. So when you start eating again, that banana helps with that. If you're not able to tolerate fluids or swallow tablets, you may need a potassium infusion through your IV as well. The next step in this scenario are medications or pharmacological treatment. And we're going to get into that a little bit right now. Um, but something that you want, when you get to the hospital or when you're calling your provider, you want to tell them the number of times you're vomiting in a day, if you can even count. Any food or drink that you've consumed, like within the last 24 hours, how long after you consumed it did you vomit? and any medications or home remedies you might have tried. So the list of things that we talked about with the lemon and the lime and the essential oils, you wanna disclose that you've tried a lot of those um, self-treatment options, more natural approaches before just jumping to the hospital. And you wanna let them know about your bowel and bladder habits. Cause again, all of these things clue us in when you come in as to how serious your situation might be. You may feel really, really sick, and you may be vomiting a good bit, but if you're vomiting an hour after you've eaten, well, then I at least know that some of what you've eaten has been digested and absorbed, and so I'm not as worried about electrolyte replacement as I would be on somebody who's not keeping down even a sip of water, or they're vomiting constantly all day long without having any sips of water. So these are just important things you wanna let your provider know. So what types of medications are there out there to help with nausea and vomiting? Before we can really talk about medications, we need to talk about how medications are categorized. And there is a, there used to be a pregnancy category system that is essentially being phased out and those categories were A, B, C, D, and X. And technically those were supposed to be removed from packaging by 2018. The FDA changed this. They wanted to put more information on the package insert that they felt like may give women more information about risks to their babies and so that they could make a more informed decision. I personally find that I liked the pregnancy category, the, the letters a little bit better, truthfully. It gave me a, a quick glance, but for the layperson, it probably, if they tell you it's a pregnancy category A, you probably had no idea what that meant. So I'm gonna quickly run through those. A pregnancy category A was a medication that had been had adequate, well-controlled studies, and there was no observed risk to babies. Category B said that there were a lot of animal studies that showed no risk, but there were no real studies in humans. In general, an A and B were both 
thought to pretty much be considered safe for human use and not a lot of risk to babies. Pregnancy category C showed that animal studies did show adverse effects on the baby. There were no studies in humans, but the benefits of taking the medication may still outweigh any potential risks to the baby. Pregnancy category D showed that there is positive evidence of fetal risk, um, either by you know, retroactive studies in humans, that kind of stuff. But that truthfully, a pregnancy category D, while that is going to be a last resort to use, the benefits may still outweigh the risk to the baby, depending on how life-threatening the condition you're treating is. And then the last category is a pregnancy category X. And that means the risk to the baby far outweighs any benefit you're going to get from this medication. And so an X would be something that we would never, ever consider using in pregnancy. And so you're not going to see these categories on medications anymore, but they do still help me a little bit in knowing what medicines I may or may not advise for my patients. And what you should know is that it's a really individualized decision per woman as to how disrupted your life is, what kind of approach you want to take to your pregnancy, how cautious you want to be about medications, and what you're willing to take. So there is a medication out there called Diclegis, marketed as Diclegis. If I'm not mistaken, it's been around for about 10 years. But prior to that, there was another medication out on the market that was removed from the market that contained the same medications. And what Diclegis is, is it is essentially Unisom, so the sleeping tablet Unisom, and vitamin B6 mixed together in a controlled release. Now, when it first came out, it was extremely expensive and not that accessible for everyone. And so there are protocols that your provider can walk you through using Unisom and B6 over the counter, but it has to be taken in a very prescribed fashion, lots of tablets throughout the day at, at prescribed times, but it is quite effective at relieving nausea and vomiting symptoms. And what I can tell you is that it is very safe. It's never been found to have any increased risk or adverse effects for babies, and it's quite effective. And so if you're looking to start with a low-risk medication, this is one you may want to ask your provider about. Um, some other medicines that you may be given in the hospital. So the Diclegis is a tablet. You have to be able to swallow it and keep it down. You may not be in that category. So two of the other options we have in the hospital most commonly is Zofran. This is a medication that you can take by mouth when you're at home. They have oral dissolvable tablets and that way you don't actually even have to swallow it. It'll just dissolve right under your tongue um, or in your cheek. And so that works well. And then we can also give you this by IV if you're in the hospital. And so that is probably going to be the, the medication that your provider is going to recommend if you're coming in experiencing um severe nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. It old categorization was a category B 
meaning that there's animal studies that show no risk, no studies in humans generally regarded as safe. Again, you've got to make that decision about whether or not you're willing to take that risk and how severe your nausea and vomiting is. Finergan is another medication. Um, it can be taken by tablet. It can be given in suppository form. So if you're not keeping anything down, you can use a rectal suppository. And it can be given intramuscularly, like a, a shot, an injection IM. This is something that used to folks would give IV, but it can be quite caustic to your veins. And so most facilities will not give you this medication IV any longer. And actually, it is a pregnancy category C is how it used to be classified, meaning that there um, are some adverse effects found in animal studies. No studies in humans, the benefit may outweigh the risk. I would think that this would kind of be one of your last resorts because there are these other options we've discussed that are generally regarded as a little more safe. So this... Whether or not you're going to take the medication is a really individualized decision between you and your provider of care. They are looking at your lab work. They are seeing how sick you are or aren't. And so they can really help you balance the options and know whether or not, hey, you know, the benefit of this is going to really outweigh the risk. You're extremely sick and we need to get you better. Or you're going to kind of circle the drain, so to speak, getting sicker and sicker and sicker and causing maybe some real long-term health effects. So that's important to know that. Um, Every single woman has to make their own decision about whether or not they're willing to take these medications. So while I really do encourage a more natural approach, there are some patients that I would highly recommend some of these medications for because their life is significantly disrupted and their, their, their health may be at risk. Other things that you really need to do at this point in your pregnancy is get plenty of rest. You need the rest. Your baby needs the rest. Your body is working extremely hard growing and developing this new baby. And if you're sick with nausea and vomiting, it can really take a lot out of you. So rest as much as you can. Um, drink plenty of fluids if you're able to keep them down, lots of water sipping just to kind of keep yourself as hydrated as you can. Some self-care, you know, some warm showers or shoulder rubs or anything that you can do to kind of make yourself just get a little boost up here. Be patient. Just be patient. This is going to pass. It is not going to last forever. You are doing good work growing this baby and just be patient with yourself and forgiving and realize that you're not going to be able to maybe do everything that you want to do, your normal activities. You may not be able to do that during this phase. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. This is just a normal part of being pregnant. And let other people help you. Let them come into the house and help you with your normal activities. Let folks help you with shuffling other kids to and from. And just let this be a time of rest and rejuvenation while you let your body kind of heal from this nausea and vomiting and do the good work that it's doing. And most importantly, never be afraid to call your provider of care, your midwife, your doctor, your nurse practitioner, 
discuss these symptoms with them. They know your health history. There are other comorbidities or pre-existing conditions that can be significantly affected by nausea and vomiting. Um, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking about those of you that may have diabetes prior to pregnancy. That can be significantly affected if you are on insulin and you're not able to eat or drink anything. That can be a dangerous combination. Um, so, it's really important that you have care with someone who knows you and knows your health history. And so while all the information that I'm giving you today is helpful information and you can try it, your midwife or doctor knows you best and knows how to advise you the safest way to treat these symptoms. And they can help you wade through whether or not you are in the green zone where you can keep managing this at home or you're getting into that yellow or red zone where you really need some extra additional resources and some support. And so I hope that this talk today has really helped you to get some clarity on morning sickness and nausea and vomiting, some tips and tricks on what you can do at home to help these symptoms, and of course, all the warning signs to know when you really need to seek additional care. And while I hope that none of you are experiencing morning sickness, I'd love for you to all to be going through your pregnancy just healthy and well with no issues. I do recognize that that's not the case for everybody. And so I do hope that this this podcast has helped you to know what to do, when to do it, and so that you can get past this hump and on to a brighter future here. So that's going to do it for our talk today. We're finishing up episode two, morning sickness. And I'm going to meet you back here next week to talk about another pregnancy topic that is probably on your mind. And I hope that you are enjoying the rest of your week and your weekend. And I do just ask that if you are enjoying the information you're getting here on the With Woman podcast, hit the subscribe button so that all of these episodes will come straight to you. Rate and review me in the Apple Podcast app. That really will help others to find this information as well. And then take the time to share it with your friends and family who you think could be benefited by the information we're talking about here. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week and weekend, and I will see you next week with episode three.